1: Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. With, with the way our bullpen is set up, obviously there's a, a long-term goal of getting to the, to a place where we're just able to build the bullpens internally. Um, we're not there yet. So yeah, I think we there will, there will certainly be a, a focus on bringing in um, a veteran presence, and whether that's closing or not, um, it, it is important to to, to to it will be important to us to bring in some external options from the bullpen standpoint, and that's something we've had some success doing, and um, we'll work hard to, to replicate that.
2: Welcome back inside the clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio six seven the score. That's Jed Hoyer. Talking about his bullpen, which was addressed, the need Michael Fulmer reportedly signs with the Cubs on Friday, came to an agreement. The veteran right-hander, uh, 30 years old, will join the team when they report on Wednesday to Sloan Park in Mesa, Arizona. We are talking baseball, but you don't want to miss our big game coverage right here on The Score Sunday, obviously presented by Soda Weight Loss. That is S-O-T-A, state-of-the-art. Visit SodaWeightLoss.com. Time now to go out to our guest hotline presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. That's where we find Maddie Lee from the Sun-Times. She covers the Cubs. Good morning, Maddie. How are you? I'm
3: good. How are you? Thanks for having me.
2: We're doing well. So let's start with the Michael Fulmer signing. This was the need that have, has existed all offseason. Uh, better late than never. And how do you see Michael Fulmer fill, f- fitting in into that bullpen?
3: Yeah, I mean, like you said, it was definitely that last thing, that you're like, all right, they've improved in a lot of places. We still don't know what they're going to look like offensively, but man, I mean, they signed Michael Boxberger. They had all of these, you know, NRI deals and you expect a couple of those guys to end up, you know, going into the pitching infrastructure, having them churn them out and, and get them into a place where they can have good potentially bounce back years for some of those guys which we've seen them do in recent years, but that was really all that they had done. And so this is a good step towards really kind of fortifying that back end of the bullpen, which as we've seen them do the last couple of years, they'll get veteran guys. They'll turn some of those guys' seasons around. They'll be able to have something solid put together by midseason. And then in the past, they have then traded those guys away, but the Cubs are definitely working towards, not selling under one of the deadlines.
4: Maddie, the most important question I have for you is, how are you going to get a, a rental car that uh, your, your company is going to say okay for, knowing that all the rental cars in a 100-mile area are taken because of the <laughs> Super Bowl? And, and how are you going to get a rate less than $125 a day?
3: Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Insane, right? Right? Thank yeah, goodness, yeah. but goodness uh... that... Got, got those all, all figured out in, like, That's December, great. so we're
4: all set. When, when you look at the third base situation, there, there seems to be even, you know, when us reporters were at the convention or talking to Hoyer in the offseason here, there seems to be, uh, it, it's, it's like an open contest there, it, it appears, between Wisdom, morale, and maybe Madrigal down the road when they're talking about Madrigal uh, moving over and taking some reps at third base this spring. How do you how do you look at the position and uh, do you think it's more uh, open than it's been in the past?
3: Yeah, definitely. I think that is yeah. When you look at the infield, that's the one position where you're like I we'll see. I think it's it's probably one of the more intriguing position battles going into spring. Morrell can play in a lot of different places, right? And so that's a lot of where his value comes from. So I think we'll see him bouncing around. Um, Like you said, they said Madrigal is going to take some reps over there. So it'll be interesting to see what that process is like, what that transition looks like for him since, you know, he hasn't played there in his professional career. And then, yes, wisdom. We know what he looks like when he's on, the type of power that he can bring to this lineup – but we also know that he'll hit some slumps. He'll have some of his strikeout numbers rise at points in the season. And so that'll be an interesting – there's such different hitters, such different players, the, the trio of them. So it'll be a fascinating battle to see play out. And, you know, could just be a, a position where we see all of them cycle through there, depending on the matchup and depending on the time of year and who's
4: on.
2: Talking with Maddie Lee from the Sun-Times. She covers the Cubs getting ready to go to spring training in Arizona. Okay, Maddie, so if you are Tommy Hotovy, if you are David Ross, if you are Jed Hoyer, and you're meeting and you're looking at the whiteboard in your office, what five names are on your projected opening day starting rotation for the Cubs? Oh, yeah. Um, Well, we've got to do
3: Jameson Tyone, right? We've got over the winter really nice addition there um, the, the big question mark is Kyle Hendricks so I don't believe will be nothing tells us that he'll be ready in time um, I do expect him to be there at some point but if we're talking about opening day rotation I don't think he's going to make it right um, he he has been progressing in his offseason lots and lots of Good marks there, but they've said over and over again, we want him to be the best version of himself. And so it looks like that's going to mean starting later in the year, making sure that he's completely healthy. Um, Justin Steele made great progress last year, has got to be one of those guys, um, really is expected to make even more strides going into this year's talking about, trying to get that third bona fide pitch uh, that he can really rely on and feel as comfortable with as the other two. So he's obviously a guy to circle. Let's see, Marcus Stroman, of course, uh, another addition from last year. So we've gotten to see one year with him, but one where he was hurt, and so we get to finally see, you know, knock on wood, a full season of Marcus Stroman in the rotation. Um, And then once you start getting towards the back end, you have a lot of guys who could fill in there, right? Like a Drew Smiley played really well in that role last year. They obviously liked him enough to bring him back on. Um, But you have a lot of guys who can fill back end roles, back end rotation roles, or who can go to A and give you depth, or who can be a multi-inning guy like uh, Keegan Thompson, like a Javier Assad, uh, like a Hayden Wisniewski, that kind of group. And so I think that's a real strength that the Cubs haven't had in the past where they have the depth in that category.
4: Maddie Lee joining us for a few more minutes on Inside the Clubhouse. David and Bruce every week talking baseball here on The Score every Saturday. And uh, Maddie, uh, you have uh, covered baseball for a long time now here in Chicago. Uh, There's been a passing of the torch as far as who will be the leaders on the Chicago Cubs. From what you saw of the team last year, now that you know that Contreras is not around anymore, that um, Hendricks is unlikely to start the season, where is the voice, where is the leadership of the Chicago Cubs going? We know that, you know, certainly at times we've heard uh, Ian Happ step up and be that type of voice for the Cubs, mm-hmm. especially after having a really good year last year. But he's in a walk here. Where do you think the leadership is coming? Is there young leadership coming from the Chicago Cubs?
3: Yeah, I mean, Nico Horner obviously has been in the last couple of years, taking on a little more and more of that leadership role. And I think we're just going to keep seeing him blossom in that area. So as in terms of internally, he's the guy that comes right to the top of the mind, but they also have brought in a lot of guys who are veterans and who they clearly wanted partially because of their veteran voices, like, Trey Mancini has talked about that. Um, I talked about Jamison Tyone earlier. He's another guy, guys who have been known for their leadership, for their voices in the clubhouse. And so I do think that you'll continue to see young guys, guys of kind of the next core stepping into some of those roles, but the Cubs have also been, oh, obviously Danzy Swanson. (laughs) I can't believe I haven't mentioned it up until now. Um, So, yes, there are some internal guys who are definitely stepping into those roles. But the Cubs have been very cognizant about bringing guys in who can also do that. And, you know, guys like Dancy Swanson who can say, hey, I won a championship recently. Like, this is how we got there. Because we don't have other than Kyle Hendricks and David Ross. But on the roster, Kyle Hendricks is the only one left from that 2016 World Series. So they've brought in guys who have won – World Series with other teams who can speak to how to win a championship and how to get these guys back there.
2: Matt, you mentioned Dansby Swanson. Happy birthday, Dansby Swanson. turns 29 years old today. <laughs> if you are David Ross and you look at what he offers at the plate, where is he going to bat? Where would you bat Dansby Swanson? Um,
3: I like it. You know, you often put your best hitters at two, right? You could have him bat two or depending on how much power you expect to get from him, how you're, how the rest of your lineup's working out, you could, you could bump him down to maybe three. I like him in that two-three range right there. Um, and there he can really kind of give these guys the push that they need. And like I said, offense is a huge question mark. They have so many guys who are like bounce-back candidates, but we don't know if it's going to work, right? So that could – the lineup could be in flux throughout the year as we see who actually can get into a groove.
4: Maddie, uh, a new hitting coach means uh, a new year for the Cubs. And it seems uh, since the Epstein Hoyer and now Hoyer years that uh, satisfactory hitting coaches have been uh, hard for them to find along the way. What what are your observations about uh, batting coaches for the Cubs There are offenses, there are failures to live up to expectations, according to the front office of uh, Jed Hoyer.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's a hard job, right? Like, just in general, talking about the league, like, it's pretty easy if you need to point fingers at someone and the offense isn't hitting well, then you do it at the hitting coach. And we see that over and over again, where this is a short-lived job, and, you know, that's Especially been the case on the north side. Um, I think what they're excited about with Dustin Kelly is that he has been in the organization and does know a chunk of these guys from their time in the minor leagues and spring training and all of that. So there's at least some continuity there as he takes on his new role. But yeah, I mean they've they've tried a lot of different things, right? They've tried the more analytically minded. They've tried the more Zen, they've they're they've gone all over the map, uh, but tough, tough job. And I think one thing that they're trying to do this year is, you know, Dustin Kelly might not be a guy with a ton with, you know, head coaching, head hitting coach experience, but we're going to give him a lot of assistant hitting coaches. And then with that kind of army of a hitting staff, maybe they'll tap into something that they Feel like they've been
2: missing before. All right, Maddie. This off season, the Cubs have brought in more new players than any team in baseball. They've invested over three hundred million dollars in contracts. If somebody were to ask you in your first day of spring training how surprised you were, the Cubs were this aggressive in this off season, what would be your answer?
3: Not that surprised. Uh, I think you know I didn't necessarily expect them to to go for the volume <laughs> that you just. Laid it out, but Jed's kind of been telling us this for a couple years now, right? Um, it does get a little convoluted when you're talking about, you know, intelligent spending and you look at what they did last year and that last year, that meant just getting a couple guys on big contracts and, you know, kind of patching holes elsewhere. But this has kind of been the, the, plan and the process that they've been working towards. You know, Jed has done one of these rebuilds before, you know, as Theo Epstein's right-hand man um, here in Chicago. And so he knows how this goes and he knows the mistakes that he wants to correct from the last time around. And so we'll see if he's able to correct those and maybe get this one, this one to last a little longer, but it was clear that at some point they were going to go in and, and really be aggressive in turning things around. And this past year had some of the hallmarks of 2014. And so that's where you started seeing, okay, this might be the time.
2: Maddie, thanks so much for your time. Safe travels and have have a great month in Arizona.
3: Thanks so
2: much. Appreciate it. See you down there, Bruce. Maddie Lee. Maddie Lee covers the the Cubs for the Sun-Times. Getting ready to head out. Pitchers and catchers report on Wednesday. Got a lot to react to there, Bruce. We also want to talk about, you know, when you talk about spring training, you're talking about prospects. So what prospects are you looking most forward to seeing? Baseball fans in Chicago on both teams, the Sox and the Cubs in Arizona.
0: After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medella is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medella is your reward. Medella, the mark of a fighter. Drick Responsibly,
1: beer imported by Crown Import Chicago, Illinois.
2: This month, we'll talk about it next. Inside the Clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score.
1: We're back with more Inside the Clubhouse with Bruce Levine and David Haw on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com and always live on the free Odyssey app presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Gaiman's first pitch, swing, line drive towards right field. That's hit well. It is gone, Chris. Social media will erupt. Has walked and has fly to left. Swings and crushes one to left
0: field. Arias is back, looking up, and that's gone into the bleachers, a few rows back. Two out, solo shot for Brennan Davis, his third home run of the year with the Iowa Cubs.
2: Welcome back inside the clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio six seventy. The score, yeah, that was a highlight from Colson Montgomery last summer. That was a highlight from. Brennan Davis last summer. These are two names you're going to hear a lot of in the next month because these are two guys that represent hope for the respective teams. Colson Montgomery, the highest-rated prospect the White Sox have, according to Keith Law and others. Brennan Davis near the top of the list for the Cubs, who have the 10th-rated minor league system in baseball. Bruce, spring training, as much as it is about optimism for the major league team and what's ahead in the season, is all about seeing – what they have in the, in the system as well, the up-and-comers, the reasons for hope. I think when you look at those two guys we just mentioned, they're indicative of how many good young prospects both teams have, the Cubs
4: certainly more than the White Sox at this point. You know, thanks so much to um, MLB Pipeline and Baseball America who have uh, educated the, uh, the Major League Baseball public with – so much sophistication over the last 10 years. It, it's it's mind-boggling how much more sophisticated baseball fans are because of the internet and all the great information available out there. And and the, the godfather of them all, Jim Callis, our friend, uh, has, has done such a great job over the last 20 years doing this. And uh, th- that information uh, continues to be greater and greater to the point where because so many teams have tanked over the last 10 years, even championship-level teams going backwards and retooling again, um, you know, like Detroit, uh, like the Cubs. I'm not saying they've tanked, but they've certainly gone another direction after trading off their stars. Uh, I, I just, I'm just marveling all the time at how knowledgeable baseball fans, Cubs and Sox fans, are about their minor league systems and keeping reporters like myself and you and everybody else that covers the game really on our toes to be on top of these things. We would never have very many segments like this before, David, uh, on the radio talking about minor league uh, systems and players coming on. And now it's more prevalent than ever. Well, let's talk about names.
2: Let's talk about guys who we may think make you know an impact in spring training enough to – potentially contribute in 2023 you look at the white Sox. who's going to be the fifth starter we don't know right now so we know guys like um davis martin emerged last year as as a guy that's a potential fifth starter candidate regardless of what they do with mike clevenger who knows where that's headed but a guy like sean burke bruce is somebody who whose name you you hear and you wonder, and I wonder what the Sox have in Sean Burke. And on the other side of town with the Cubs, you you know some of those names. You know about Pete Crower, Armstrong and Kevin Alcantara being their highest-rated outfielders, Brennan Davis. But I wonder what we will see from a Matt Mervis, a guy who, who burst onto the scene last year as an undrafted um, free agent joining the Cubs organization. You saw what he did at three different levels. These are the kind of guys, as you say – as we become more educated on what prospects are capable of doing and where they came from, I meaning with Burke and Mervis are not names that are household names, but certainly guys who you may hear a lot about in the next few weeks.
4: Yeah, uh, definitely. And, and uh, you know, uh, I don't know if Jimmy Lambert is ever going to be the starter that they thought he was going to be, or he's going to be a bullpen guy, but you have to throw him into the mix as well. Uh, look, uh, you're talking about um, guys that have to make it through the system, and, and we know that injury is such a, a big factor, especially for rotations uh, going into every year. So you have to have the depth chart at seven or eight, and guys like Javier Assad with the uh, with the Chicago Cubs, you know, an important name to look at. We talked about uh, Keegan Thompson, uh, the unknown status of him because he could pitch anywhere in that uh, bullpen or shown well as a starting pitcher as well. So uh, building up that depth uh, is so important now. And David, uh, when I talk about the the pitching and and young players coming up, it's so much more important now because nobody throws 200 innings anymore, Okay, Right. We, We talked about a few years ago, the 175 was the new 200. I don't know if 175 is even a realistic number for rotation spots four and five anymore. I, I think it's more 125 to 140. And then a combination of other pitchers that were identified from the minor leagues or coming in from somewhere else that fills out the gaps because of the prevalence of, of bullpen guys, uh, you know, finishing games and being in so many games. Uh, I, I think there's a dearth of starting rotation everywhere in baseball. And that's why you see the New York Mets have, Two 40-year-old pitchers who are um, making $43 million a year. If you get any semblance of the fact that these are both Hall of Fame pitchers, but they're they're really counting an awful lot on two guys that at any moment, you know, could be on the other side of it. So, from the perspective of the White Sox and Cubs, I, I just think you, you need to continue to identify as many starting pitchers as you can and getting them the experience like Wasmuski did last year and Assad did in major league games is so crucial
2: 312 644 67 67 what prospect comes to mind when we're talking about guys who might make an impact who might pique your curiosity in spring training during the month of February and into March Bruce you talk about pitching and that's a great point you look at the White Sox top five prospects, though, according to Keith Law, and you're looking at guys who are infielders. Four of the f- top five are infielders. And I want to know what you think in terms of the timetable. We, we all know about Colson Montgomery. He's not going to be in, in a major league uniform in 2023, but he is the highest-rated prospect. Brian Ramos is right behind him, according to Keith Law. You talk about a Brian Ramos, but what do you think the Sox may have in him and how does his timetable in your mind correspond or is in sync with Lenin Sosa, who might get a long hard look at second base during spring training.
4: Yeah. I, th- I think Ramos has to, has to play at some, a, a full year at triple think that's, that's the key. And, you know, let, let Sosa and let, uh, you know, uh, Romy uh, Gonzalez handle the, the rest of it right now. You got two, young players. Uh, I think Gonzalez has a leg up on this, you know, as we pointed out last year on your guys. Sosa. Oh, that's right. You said it wasn't your guy. Um, uh, not my he, guy, Bruce, not my guy. Time and place. Everything is about timing. The timing was then. I don't know about now. I know. Well, after four for 31, uh, you know, nobody's going to claim him right now, but he's still a talented player <laughs> in their system. Uh, you know, it, it, I, I just think that, um, you know, Ramos is somebody that they really like an awful lot and, and that he's going to be coming along as well uh, pretty soon. But uh, when you when you look at, um, you know, the top the top people in the organization, the guys that, you know, they're bringing in this spring, uh, you know, you're you're hoping that Davis, you're, you know, you're you're hoping uh, that Burke are guys that are that have breakout years and that they're ready. I, I liked everything I saw about Martin last year. He made a lot of good start uh, spot starts for them and uh, I, I threw strikes. You know, that's the key. Wisniewski came up from the um, minor leagues after being traded from the Yankees to the Cubs. He threw strikes. That's, for me, David, when you look at young pitchers, and you see them in the major leagues and they're they're not afraid to attack the strike zone. I think that's about you know, sixty, seventy percent of it. You have to have the stuff, you know, you have to have team behind you, you know, playing well, but you know, from the perspective of being ready, if the guy's not afraid to throw strikes, you know, I think you, you have an opportunity to be successful.
2: You know, Bruce, a year ago I think if you would have said, you know, we're gonna be watching the emergence in 2022 of Christopher Morrell with the Cubs, you'd be like, wait a second, wait, who's he? Okay. Google, tell me who is Christopher Morrell And you'd be like, Oh yeah, sure. Right. And now here we are a year later and you're talking about how he fits in different ways and he can play third, he can play short, he can play the outfield. He is Mr. Super utility man. and And you look forward to what he has to offer. How do you explain that when we're talking about these lists in the, the, the rankings and the drafts and the development. I mean, a guy like Christopher Morrell can come out of nowhere, as it seemed, and, and make a contribution. It's, it's impossible to identify somebody like that. But on the Cubs, you have all these outfielders who are highly ranked in their system. And you wonder, is there somebody that's getting overlooked, somebody who might come out of left field, if you will, and say, hey,
4: I'm here, notice me, I'm, I can help now. That could be. I mean, look, you know, there's 32 guys, uh, non roster invitees for the Chicago Cubs, almost as many or more with the White Sox as well. So there, there are going to be names that you're going to see reporters reporting about by the, I'd say, 26th, uh, 27th. Once you roll into the second and third games of spring training, you start seeing uh, guys at middle infield positions that you hadn't heard about, you know. That have high numbers, in 97 or 86, and, and you really hadn't heard it, you know, from the MLB pipeline people or Jim Callis about this guy could be a sleeper. You're you're gonna see you're gonna see people like that. And uh, the Cubs have a myriad of young talent that is pro, still pretty far away. They still have a lot of 18, 19, 20 year olds. But one of these spring trainings, you know, somebody is going to be stepping up, and you're gonna hear that name especially when you see the ascension from the minor leagues for some of these players. Once there is uh, an injury at the major league level, then you see everybody stepping up. So getting uh, getting players to double and triple A and getting them that good experience, that, that's going to be the key uh, for uh, both the Cubs and White Sox. You know, the, the minor leagues are, yeah, go ahead there.
2: Our producer, Sean Sears, who follows these things, wants to contribute three names potentially because he wants to look smart in July if any of these names emerge. I'm going to do my best to pronounce the last one. B.J. Murray, Moises Ballesteros, and Johendrick Penango. Did I do that right, Sean Sears? You nailed it. You nailed all three.
4: Very nice.
2: Okay, so there are three names for you there, Bruce. I don't know if any of them will emerge and contribute, but I think they're worth keeping an eye on. I also want to ask you about this. You talk about the teenagers. You talk about the younger prospects in the pipeline. Miguel Amaya is 23 years old. We have been saying his name for a very long time in Chicago. Is this finally the season where Miguel Amaya makes an impact uh, at Clark and Addison?
4: Yeah, you don't want him to be the the Braden Marquez of the position players. You know, Uh, the fact that, uh, you know, uh, he was their number one prospect for a long time and uh, you know it was you, you understood it because he had a huge arm he came up he had a, a cup of coffee in 2020 with a you know I think one inning but uh, you know injury you know impacted him you know you know dramatically uh, and uh, he's no longer the number one same thing with Amaya you know with uh, Tommy John surgery uh, Not not as severe for a catcher as it is for a pitcher, but still, uh, we were looking at this guy by, night, by 2022, 23 of being ready to replace uh, Contreras if he was no longer a Cub. And, he, and he's going into spring training, still a question mark as to where he's at and his availability. So it, it is a big year for Amaya, who had made uh, some really good leaps and bounds a couple of years ago as an offensive player to go along with his good defense.
2: And Bruce, 6'30, has a good text, that, and I am guilty as charged. Caleb Killian is being overlooked. I, he's not a name that came uh, to me quickly when we were talking about the Cubs' potential starting rotation. We're somebody who we got to look at last year in, in two games. He, I think he was 0 and 2. He looked uh, good at times, he looked shaky at others. Bruce, he's 25 years old, so this, this is not necessarily a kid any longer. What's realistic to expect
4: from a Caleb Killian starting at AAA, building up the E's cachet, building up his ability to throw strikes. Okay. That's the key for him. Uh, he just was a little shaky when he came up to the major leagues the last couple times. Uh, they have still have high hopes for him. He's got a big arm and, and they, they like his makeup very much. So, Uh, you're right, we're both remiss in not naming Killian as a guy that uh, potentially is in that rotation. And again, the weighing the different parts of, is he ready and then need. I think need uh, is is the one thing that pushes the envelope for these guys, whether they're ready or not in the mind of the minor league people. The need is sometimes there And you have to fill it with these guys that you have in your organization.
2: And, Bruce, I have a need for clarity, and you're going to provide some. There's a big story going on around Major League Baseball as it pertains to regional sports networks. It does affect fans at home and how they may be able to watch their favorite teams in town and just around the league in terms of the interest level and their ability to to have their TV viewing experience interrupted or changed at all. We'll talk about that next on Inside the Clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio, 6-7, The Score.
1: We're back with more Inside the Clubhouse with Bruce Levine and David Haw.
4: You won't be booing about the Marquee Network in one yet. Just be cool. Just be cool.
2: Everyone be cool. Everybody be cool. Yeah, there's nothing to see here. Welcome back inside the clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio. 6-7, the score. It's getting pretty serious here for regional sports networks. That was Tom Ricketts uh, at the Cub Convention a couple years ago talking about the marquee sports network. Uh, Sinclair, obviously the uh, subsidiary that operates a lot of the uh, regional sports networks, Bruce, and certainly this is the big story around Major League Baseball this week. Diamond Sports Group, the Sinclair subsidiary that operates the Bally Sports RSNs, is reportedly planning to file for bankruptcy. And there's, oh, Diamond owes $140 million in interest payments next week. Rob Manfred, the commissioner of Major League Baseball, said that the league will get involved if necessary. This affects every potentially baseball fans in every market. How do you uh, explain it, Bruce, and, and why does this matter in Chicago?
4: Well, it matters a lot for, for all teams, in, in, including the Cubs and the White Sox. Uh, the, the Cubs' situation is a little less precarious than the White Sox because uh, the the Ricketts family owns 51% of their TV products. So they are in a partnership with Diamond slash um, Sinclair. Sinclair. But in, in reality um, – mm-hmm. They're in control of that, Uh, you know, the YES Network. uh, There's a a couple others that are completely owned by the team. But in the the situation with the RSNs, as you pointed out, David, they're not making it right now. Cord cutting and streaming is a future for Major League Baseball on the local level, okay? So with that in mind, how are the Chicago White Sox other 28 teams going to look uh, a year or two from now, knowing that, um, you know, if if this market continues to go the way it is, that you have to get streaming. Well, Major League Baseball at this point is looking for partners to do streaming for all the teams. That means being able to define exactly what type of package you want to buy. But you're not going to necessarily you won't be buying it from uh, from a cable TV uh Provider anymore. You'll be buying it from Major League Baseball through the company that they go into business with. Okay, uh, Major League Baseball is looking for that company. So the Chicago White Sox signed a five-year deal with NBC Sports Chicago uh, that runs out after uh, next season. Right. This is their uh, fourth year of uh, of having a new deal with NBC Sports Chicago exclus- exclusively. Uh, that's for the Bulls, and uh, uh, I know it was for the White Sox. I'm not sure how it is for the Bulls and for uh, the Blackhawks. But where would you be finding Chicago White Sox games? How would you be getting those games? Would there still be cable involved? I would say two or three years from now, David, that uh, it's it's going to be mostly cord cutting and you streaming your product to your uh, whatever... Uh, what, whatever your whether it's your uh ipad your tv your device your phone your, your device, device of it's choice. gonna be it's gonna be that so, moving forward and for people you know 50 and older who have never bought uh anything streaming wise it it might make them panic a little bit
2: absolutely and that's a lot of the the baseball fan base <laughs> you're talking about people who are over 50 who might you know, this may their eyes may glaze over hearing some of, the, of these things and, and think, "Whoa, why does it matter to me? Well, two, two questions for you, Bruce. One short-term, one long-term in terms of implications. Short-term, do you think that this reality with the bankruptcy and what's going on with um, this specific issue will have an interruption of games this season? And then I guess the long-term question would be, do you envision a day when the White Sox have – their own network, whether it's uh, similar to the marquee sports network in scope or maybe smaller than that, but do you envision that being the direction the White Sox eventually
4: go? No, I don't think there will will be uh, very many teams anymore that that own their own, but I I could be wrong about that. I I would just say this. um, Major League Baseball will step in and make sure that the games are covered, even if they have to dig into their deep coffers to uh, pay for it themselves. I I don't think they're going to allow – people to miss, you know, the opportunity, uh, to, to watch their games. They, they can't afford that. I I will say the the one area is how much money the teams will receive in rights and how that will impact their bottom line is huge. You know, I I mean, I remember projections for the Chicago Cubs, uh, before they started their own network that, uh, they were going to be getting a million dollars a game. Uh, once they started their, their own network. Now they weren't all that far off of it when they were in combination uh, group with the White Sox, Bulls, and Blackhawks. Uh, at at their peak, they were getting seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars a game uh, through that old agreement. Uh, but all the games weren't on, um, you know, they they weren't uh, on cable. So the other games were much much less. You're talking about WGN and. Uh, and, and ABC paying two hundred thousand dollars a game for the rights, as opposed to seven hundred and fifty that was uh, coming through on cable. So my my point is is that you know making a million dollars a broadcast now uh, might not might be not might might not be reasonable looking forward, and how that will affect the bottom line, how that will affect uh, people being able to project their payrolls, and how they will be able to pay players.
2: Markets changed, and and the realities are changing for for teams and for networks. And as you describe how we how we consume Major League Baseball, there might be more opportunities and methods and ways to do that on a game to game basis, on a season to season basis, moving forward. But it is complicated, and I don't think it's complicated if you are you know of a certain age. But I think when you talk about baseball fans, that you know traditional baseball fans you start to get into an audience that doesn't want to be bothered by you know hitting to this certain device or it, it, it's less convenient even though it might be more cost efficient and that's the problem when you're looking forward so it, the the pace of the game is an issue making it more appealing is an issue you have to be able to find ways to consume it once you do make it more appealing and easier to digest that's what everybody wants to see happen and hopefully we can avert some of these potential disasters moving forward.
4: David, it's a big week. Spring training starting. That's a beautiful thing. We'll be with you every week reporting what's going on at the camps. People to thank today, including Matty Lee of the Sun-Times, for joining us, who covers the Cubs. Chuck Garfine from NBC Sports Chicago does a great job pre- and post-game with the White Sox. Sean Sears, a great job as well. People can follow me on Twitter at MLB. Bruce Levine are on our website at 670thescore.com as I report on both teams all week long. Pitchers and catchers report the four best words in baseball. Wednesday,
2: Cubs and White Sox out in Arizona. That'll be after the Super Bowl. And remember, big game coverage on The Score Sunday presented by Soda Weight Loss. That's S-O-T-A. Visit sodawaitloss.com. Bruce, thank you for everything. Another fun show. Sean Sears, thanks again. And most of all, the audience, thank you for listening and texting and calling and all your contributions. It's been Inside the Clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score.